But it's a blessing to be in Christ. It's a blessing to be in Christ because you, you simply never know when it is your last, your last day or even your last breath. And uh, because of that, it's a blessing to be in the Lord. As scripture says, blessed are the dead which do die in the Lord. And it is a blessing to know that if we would leave this world, that the Lord would, would have our back. We wouldn't have anything to worry about because God would take care of everything for us. And I say that to say this, that I know that I am in the Lord. I know that. I can show that without a shadow of a doubt. I know how a person gets in the Lord. I can show that without a shadow of a doubt. And I want you to know that there are some things in the scriptures that is somewhat difficult to understand. There are some things that you will not see alike in the Bible. Help me somebody. But I know this. I know that I'm in the Lord. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. And uh, you know, when I was a younger preacher, and I would have been in a class like this morning, I would have changed my whole sermon around. But because I've gotten older, and I do know that when you talk about certain subject matters in the church, everybody will not all see it the same way. But when it comes to getting in Christ, we better all see it the same way. Because there's only one way to get into Christ, and that is through baptism. I don't care what somebody say, well, you know, you can pray your way in, you can, you can, you can do it. No, no, no. I know without a shadow of a doubt that the only way to get in Christ is what? By way of baptism. And so, you know, like I said, if I was 23 when I first started this thing here, this would have been a sermon about the class this morning. But because I'm much, much older and do understand that you will not agree with everything that I believe in and I will not agree on everything that you believe in, but we better all agree on how to get in the Lord. Amen, somebody. And so this morning, it's good to see you and it's good to see those who are with us on Facebook Live and those who will be on YouTube later and Spotify and everything else that we have uh, that goes out. Uh, into the world. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And I uh, want to try to speak on the subject title there this morning from Daniel the second chapter. Daniel is, of course, a great, uh, one of God's greatest servants in the Old Testament by way of visions and prophecy, and uh, one who was able to interpret dreams. And uh, Daniel uh, is part of the people who comes from Jerusalem, who goes into Babylonian captivity. You reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego, well, Daniel is in, in that same group. Daniel being perhaps older than the three Hebrew boys that we call. I want to talk to you this morning about kingdom laws. Kingdom laws. I want you to repeat that after me. Kingdom laws. Now, understand that these are laws, right? I've already spoken to you about some of the points that I'm going to mention on today. Now, in these points, if you have uh, in your house, in your, in your business, uh, on your job, uh, in sports, whatever it is, if you take these four laws that I'm going to give us this morning that I've already, majority of them I've spoken on about two months ago, but I wanted to come back and put them in the, uh, in the position of laws this morning, and, uh, and I hope that it gives us just a little bit more uh, clarity when it comes to the kingdom or the church. Um, we live in the age of um, information. Information is at the, at the tip of our fingers. There are all types of information that is out there that we can gather. Information about this, information about that. We live in the age of technology, right? The age of, of Apple, Microsoft, Facebook or Meta, Zoom, all of these different social media sites that is out. We, we're coming into an age of what is known as metaverse, where you'll be able to enter into a digital world, perhaps touch and feel and see without even being in that place, right? We live in a world of viruses, right? Coronavirus, the Delta, right? You got uh, Omicron, and you're going to have some other ones perhaps that come right after that. The church, regardless of what age the church has lived in or been in, whatever era, the church has always survived. And I want you to know that the church is going to be here until the Lord comes back. And if the church is going to be here until the Lord comes back, that means that some of us will have to be here until the Lord's come back because you are part of the kingdom. You are the church. And the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Let's start with verse number 40. I had 42, but let's back up to verse 40. And I'll be where you want me to be in just a while. But watch this here as Daniel speaks in Daniel 2 and verse number 40. The Bible says, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for as much as iron breaketh. In pieces and subdue all things and as iron that breaketh all deeds shall it break in pieces and bruise. And, where, and whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. Even as iron is not mixed with clay, and in the days 
of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a what? Set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to the but it shall break in pieces and consume all of these what? Kingdoms. And it shall what? Stand forever. Now, those of you who are familiar with this chapter, you already know that it talks about a great image. The image that the king dreamed. He forgot what he had dreamed. Not only he could not give the interpretation, but he forgot what he had dreamed. How in the world can you tell what you have dreamed if you forgot what you dreamed? And so the king said this, I'm going to kill all of the magicians, all of the wise men that are in Babylon if you do not tell me what I have dreamed and the interpretation. Now, what the king wanted was impossible for any man to do. I cannot tell you what you dreamed last night, if you dreamed last night. Surely I cannot give you the interpretation of your dream if I don't know what to dream. And so the king was asking something that the men who were of Babylon and those who come from Judah could not give him. And so he says, if you don't tell me right now, I'm going to kill all of the wise men that is in Babylon. Now you have to understand that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are part of the wise men. If the wise men of Babylon died, then the men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will die as well. So to make a long story short, when they were coming to capture the wise men and to bring them to die, Daniel said uh, to one of the servants of the king, what's going on? He says, why is the king moving hastily to kill us? Well, he said, uh, they can't give the king the dream. They don't even know what he had dreamed, and they can't give the interpretation. Daniel said, listen, listen, listen. Uh, give, me, give me a minute. Give me a while. Just, just hold on. Daniel did this. Daniel went to Shadrach. Meshach, and bit now keep in mind, they, he's among the wise men of Babylon. But he didn't go to the wise men of Babylon. He went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were connected to God. And he asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, pray to our God. Ask our God to give the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego began to pray. Daniel was brought to the king. He asked the servant, take me before the king. And so he brought him before the king, and uh, Daniel began to tell uh, the king the dream. And even before that, the king says, oh, you can, you can tell me what I dream. He says, oh, no, oh, no, king. He says, only God can give the dream. He says, he says I don't possess the ability. He says, only God can possess the ability to put in me that I can interpret what you have dreamed. So, so, King, all glory goes to God. 
So what he does here, he lifts up his God before this mighty king. And he began to tell the king what he dreamt. And that's what the portion I picked up. And it's a great image. And the image is, is made of iron and it's made of, of brass and it's made of clay. It's, it's a huge image that he sees. And, and in the text, you're going to see something. And the Bible says that there was a hand that cut out, or without hand rather, there was a stone that was cut out of the mountain. And the Bible says that the stone was small. And the stone that was cut out with our hands represents now the church. Now what you need to understand is, is the Bible, Daniel says, that that little stone that was cut out of the mountain without hand, it's going to break into pieces all of these kingdoms. Now in case you don't know the kingdoms, it is the Babylonian kingdom. It is the Medo-Persian kingdom. It is the Macedonian kingdom. And lastly, it was the Roman kingdom. And the Bible says that in the days of these kings shall the God set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. One of the kingdoms had to still be in effect when the Lord's kingdom come into effect. Because it says in the days of these kings shall the God set up a what? A kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Now when you keep reading, I'm just giving you background. When you keep reading, you will understand that the small stone that was cut out without any hands began to grow. And the Bible says that it became a mountain. And the Bible says that the mountain consumed the entire earth. That means that the kingdom of God must spread throughout the entire world. That kingdom is going to bring down every other kingdom. In case you don't know, you're looking at me like you don't. In case you don't know, the church is the strongest kingdom on the face of the earth. It started off small, a stone in the city of Jerusalem. But in time, it began to grow. And the Bible says that Paul and the apostles were able to spread the gospel across this known world. If you ain't shouting this morning, you ought to be shouting on the inside. Because you are part of something. That will never, ever be destroyed. I don't care if you are in the age of information, the age of technology, the age of viruses. The church ain't going nowhere. And I said all of that to say this, that in the kingdom, God gave us some laws. And I want to go to law number one. Watch this here. We talked about it not long ago. Watch this here. First point. It's law. It's the law of what? What is it? The law of expectation. Now, I want you to know that God expects 
some things from us. God expects some things from us. Uh, Wednesday night, Brother Brown was teaching, and we got to talking about baptism. When you come to Christ, that's a commitment that you are making with God. You're not making it with the preacher. You're not making it with the elders. You're not making it with the deacon. You're not making it with the financial team. You're making it with who? With God. There are expectations that God looks for in us. Micah chapter 6, verse number 8. Micah chapter 6, verse number 8. Watch what the Bible says here. Uh, Micah 6 and verse number 8. Let's see if we can get it here. He had shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doubt the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humble with thy God. Now, when you sum all of this up is, here's what God expects from us. God expects us to be faithful. God expects us to be faithful. Just like in any marriage, the marriage expects you to what? To be faithful. God wants us as members of the Lord's church is to be what? is to be faithful. And watch this here. Whenever you are faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. He who is faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 10, the Bible says this, that you ought to be faithful unto death. Faithful all the way what? Unto death. So God requires us to be what? To be faithful. Now, in saying that, in using the word, commitment. Oftentimes people misunderstand what this means. There are plenty of people who will commit to a church but never commit to God. They will commit to a people but never commit to the people's God. You see, you cannot commit to the church and then all of a sudden, you begin to commit to God. That's not how it works. You commit to God. And when you commit to God, you commit to his church. It's just like what's going on in the sports world with the NILs, with boys in sports and, and football and baseball and basketball. They're committing to, to the NIL. They're committing to coaches instead of committing to the university. And what they're doing is very dangerous. I like what they're doing because they're giving the athletes some things. But the thing about it is, is that they're teaching the youngsters to go and to chase, not all, but some, to look at dollar bills instead of focusing on their education. There's a young man right now who's in the G League who have not yet completed high school. He opted out of the 12th grade to go play basketball, and he's making $1. million a year in the G League right now. And that's a very dangerous thing they're doing. And, and, and I like the fact, Brother Al, that they're giving the student athletes some things, uh, but how they're going about it is somewhat a little shaky because what is teaching the student athlete is that he chases the dollar sign, uh, but he disvalues his education. And so when you look at that here, in the spiritual realm, we need to understand that our commitment is to what? Is to God, not to the church. When you commit to God, you will automatically. That making some sense to y'all? When you commit to the Lord, we don't have to go looking for you. Because you committed to who? To God. And whenever you commit to God, 
you will automatically commit to what? To his church. You cannot commit to God and not commit to the church. When you commit to the Father, you commit to his church. And so when he talks about the kingdom, the kingdom, and when you look at kingdom throughout the New Testament, it's the word basileia. Basileia means government, kingdom rule. We are in a government. It's, 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 we are in two governments. <laughs> We're in the government of the United States of America and the government from heaven. And so we are citizens of two worlds. And what I need us to know today is, is that our commitment, Sister Gertie, is to God. And when you commit to God, you will commit to individuals. The commitment starts with God. The problem throughout the ages and throughout the decades and years, some people have fell off with the church. You know why? They never, ever made the commitment to the Lord. Y'all, there is no stronger commitment that you could commit to than to God. And when you make your commitment to him, just like you talk about marriage, whenever you understand what marriage is, whenever you understand that my commitment is greater to God than the one you're marrying, you're going to go through hell and high water to try to stay married. Because your commitment is to someone greater than whom you are marrying. The commitment, y'all, is to God. That's what the problem lies with a number of people, not y'all, but other places. Number two. Watch this here. The law of responsibility. Remember him? The law of responsibility. How are you going to have a great church if people don't have responsibilities? Who going to do what? Well, you know, Brother Tahir going to do this. Well, Brother Young got this. Well, Brother Shows got that. What about if they're not here? Well, the other guys, they got that. What about if they're not here? Everybody needs to have the same mindset. If I'm trying to build something, Brother Wilson, because he knows something about building. If I'm trying to build something, I'm a contractor. And I have a crew, and I got architects and engineers. I'm trying to erect some type of building. And we're supposed to break ground on a day. Well, all the crew's supposed to be there. Contractor comes out that day, and nobody shows up. He's by himself. Nothing is going to get done because nobody is there. Their responsibility is to be there to build, but they're not there. The law of responsibility, Matthew 16, verse number 24, Jesus says, you must deny yourself. Y'all don't tell nobody it's hard to deny yourself. That literally means to give up self. Put yourself on the shelf. Take another self up. Jesus says deny yourself and what? Take up your cross. Now the cross, y'all, the cross is a, is a burdensome life. You got to take up your cross daily. And he says take up your cross and do what? And follow me. But you can't follow Jesus and you had not denied yourself because you will not follow through with it because you haven't fully given up yourself. You cannot walk with the Lord and walk with yourself. You cannot be married to God and married to yourself. You have to lose yourself. You have to give up yourself. So he says, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow me. In every burden there's a blessing if you carry it through. In every burden, there's a blessing 
if you carry it through. Matthew chapter 28, you don't have to go there. Jesus says, go ye into the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, that's a responsibility. The responsibility to spread the gospel is upon who? The church. If you don't do it, who will? That's a great responsibility, right? Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, the Bible says there, and they continued steadfastly in breaking of bread, in fellowship, in prayer. All of those things took place, right, in the early church and still does today. Those are responsibilities. Acts 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to what? Break bread. I want you to understand those are responsibilities. That's the responsibilities that God wants us to practice, not only on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis. Your light ought to shine what? Each and every day. So not only we have expectations that comes from God, but there are responsibilities that also comes with the expectations. Number three, number three, law of accountability. 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 Every Christian at some point should practice self-accountability. At some point, you should be responsible for your own actions and deeds. At some point. Now, when you first get into Christ, you're a babe, you're crawling, you're walking, you're just starting out. You have people around you, helping you, supporting you, guiding you. But whenever you become of age, spiritually speaking, you become accountable for your own self. In other words, in the army, we did a lot of policing, but uh, you are the police around your own life. Clean up the areas around your own life. Self-accountability. You are responsible for yourself. And yes, when you got leadership, they are responsible for you in a spiritual sense. But also, you are responsible for yourself. You are responsible not only for self, but you are responsible for your soul and you're responsible for your spirit. You're responsible how you live your life physically. That's self. You're responsible for your soul, what goes into your conscience. You're responsible for your spirit, your mind, what goes into your mind. You're responsible for yourself. self accountability. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 7. I think this is a very interesting uh, group of scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter, uh, go down, yeah, yeah, let, let's stay right here, let's see. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Give me verse 20, let me see if this is what I want. Wherefore, uh, this, give me Matthew 6, give me Matthew 6, Vic 6 and 19, let's see what he says. 6 and 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in what? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor what? Nor steal. I want you to understand is it's very difficult to try to separate the things of the world and the spiritual things. Sometimes the things of the world perhaps hold to us more than the things of the spiritual world. 
But that's left upon you and me to deal with those things, to fight our way through those things. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about, I call it four sad words. What Jesus will say to some people, I never knew you. Those are four sad words. When it comes down to accountability, it doesn't fall on anybody else, but it falls directly on you. Watch this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Watch what the Bible says here, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Now, everything you've done, and watch this here, you don't even remember everything you've done. Your mind is not that vast to be able to retain every single thing that you have done good or done bad. But here's the thing. All of us have done some good things in life. But there, that's the other side too. We have done some bad things in life. And I like what God does because God said, I'm going to take your good and I'm going to take your bad and I'm going to judge your good and I'm going to judge your bad. In other words, nobody is going to escape what you did down here on the face of the earth. And when God says, well, Jesus rather, I never knew you. You know, some people in judgment who say, Lord, you know, but I, but I was in church every Sunday morning. You know, there are going to be some people who are going to say, Lord, but I was baptized. You know, there are going to be some people in judgment who are going to say, Lord, but I gave every Sunday. But don't you know just because you're in church every Sunday does not make you saved? Just because you take the Lord's Supper does not mean you are saved? Just because you give what you give on Sunday does not mean you're saved. You got to practice. You got to do. You got to live up to the word of God each and every day that you have in your life. And I'm telling you, there are going to be some people who are going to stand before the Lord in judgment thinking that they're going to get in. But he'll say, I never, I never, not I forgot about you, not I used to know you. But I never knew you. Point number four. Not only the law of expectation, responsibility, and accountability, but the law of availability. The greatest ability, someone said, is availability. Because if you ain't available... The law of availability. And uh, the scriptures, Jesus says, seek ye first. I just want you to just think about that. Seek ye first. The kingdom. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom. That's Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom. I'm not the smartest mathematician in the world, but I do know what first means. That's top priority. The first thing on your list should be the kingdom. And what he's saying, everything else should be under 
the kingdom. There are some, not here but other places, who will say, you know, I can't be there because I'm working. There are some who will say, I can't be there because the children have homework. There are some who are saying, I can't be there because I'm a seasoned citizen. The Bible says, seek ye first. Now, keep everything in context now. Seek ye first the what? The kingdom. And the Bible says, when you seek first the kingdom, God will add unto your life all of your daily necessities. You will have a place to lay your head. You will have somewhere, you will have somewhere to eat. You will have clothes on your back. You will get to where you need to go. God says, when you take care of my business, I will make sure that your business get taken care of as well. He says, seek ye what? First, not second, not third, not fourth, but seek me first, the kingdom and God's righteousness. Another thing around these times, not here but other places, Brother Phil, I can't be there because I got family coming out of town. Brother Phil, I, I can't be there Sunday because, you know, I'm cooking. You know, my, my people, they're coming from, from Alaska. And uh, I, I, I chose a place to make sure none of y'all people coming from this place, Alaska. And, uh, and I, I got to cook for them Sunday. But the Bible said, but seek ye first. I know you don't like this, but seek ye first. Here's what you tell your people. They got leftovers in the fridge. And if you don't like that, McDonald's is down the street. Burger King is down the street. And everything else is down the street. And if you want, you can come to church with me. But if you won't come to church with me, I'll see you when I get back. And all I'm trying to show you is, is people have misplaced their commitment they're committed to everybody. They're committed to everything but the very one who have you alive and well on the face of the earth. And the Bible says, seek the kingdom first. I want you to know there are going to be some people, when you get to judgment, who have put God on the back burner, but who are going to want God to make them top priority in the judgment. Remember, how you live is how you die. It's no, it's no changing once you get in the grave. How you live your life on top of the earth is how you're going to close your eyes. And how you close your eyes is how you're going to open your eyes on the other side. Church, God expects us to be faithful no matter what. There are responsibilities that need to be carried out. You need to be accountable for your soul. We shouldn't have to tell you you're wrong. You should be able to look at God's word and say, I'm wrong and I need to repent. You need to be available because there are things that need to be done in the kingdom of God. And if the church don't do it, then no one will. To our men, be Christian men. 
Hello, brothers. Be Christian men. To our men, be Christian husbands. To our men, be Christian fathers. To our men, be committed to God. Be a servant to God. To our men, be humble. To our sisters, be Christian women. To our sisters, be Christian wives. To our sisters, be Christian mothers. Be an example for your children. To our sisters, be servants of the Lord. It makes no difference of who don't want to get it done, but to you, make sure that when you die, God can say, thy good and faithful servant, you have been rulers over few, but I'll make you rulers over many. Be faithful to God. To our young people, be wise in your decision making. To our teenagers and children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. Trust the guidance of your mother and your father. Obey them even when you are away from your house. When you commit to obeying your parents in the house, you will commit to obeying your parents outside of the house. It's about commitment. It's about commitment. You're going to be tempted to break your commitment wherever you go. But it's about commitment. When you understand your commitment to God is greater than your commitment to everybody else. What keeps you there? What keeps you in the center of, of God's, God's justification and God's pleasing is God himself. It's because you have committed your life to him. And it will bless your life in every other aspect in this whole world. And when you die, and don't tell nobody, die you will. I know, I know we think we're going to, uh, and I know we don't like to talk about death. But you're going to die. It's coming. It's on its way. Get ready. It's coming. It's gonna, you're going to be transported from this world to the next world. So seek him first. If you seek the kingdom first and God's righteousness, you won't have a thing to fear when you die. There are a number of people who are trying to hide from viruses and all of that stuff. Let me tell you something. You, you, you can't hide. You know, and I was talking to a little girl the other day, and I was listening to how she was talking. You know, parents, parents got to be very careful what they tell their children. Got to be very careful what you say in the midst of your kids, because what you say is what they're going to say. What you believe is what they're going to believe. And these, and, and you know, you can put fear in your whole house. The right person is scared. You can put fear in your whole house. And child of God, I just don't believe Christians ought to live in fear. I, 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 that's just me. Maybe I don't understand the Bible right, but I don't believe a child of God should live in fear. That's just me. Because my question would be, what you scared for? What you fearing? If, if God is our God, if we are in the kingdom, then you're protected. Even when you die. You're protected in the grave because God got your back. And so we don't live in fear. Why live in fear when God 
is your God. Why fear the things of life and try to serve God? You cannot serve God living in fear because everything you believe you take away when you live in fear. I used to say in closing, the opposite of fear was faith. But I say now the opposite of fear is trust. It's not faith, it's trust. Because when I don't know, I've got to trust that God knows. I've got to trust him. Old saying, but same, saying is true. When you cannot trace the hands of God, you got to learn to trace, to trust the hands of God. Trust him. And uh, when you get older, you know, you got to trust the Lord even more. Mm-hmm. You got to trust him more. Because you ain't getting any younger. So you got to depend on God even more. And as a Christian, as a Christian, if you don't get nothing to this lesson, Make sure your commitment is to God. And if the churches of Christ, the kingdom of his dear son, had more committed people, the church can do much, much more if we were more committed to God. As you carry into the next year, Commit to God and watch God commit to you. If you're not a child of God, you come by His word, believing the same, repenting of sins, confessing Christ, putting them on in water baptism. If you're a child of God and you got sin in your life and you need to make things right with the Lord on today, why don't you do so as together we stand and together we sing the invitation song, Why Don't You Come? Why Don't You Come?